The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Rameen. If you or someone you are close to is dealing with addiction, there are so many programs out there that can help you. But how do you gauge which ones are going to work the best for you? Some are expensive, some deal with some of the issues, but don't get to the heart of the matter. Others treat the problem at a basic level, but don't determine ultimate success. Join us now for an hour that sets out to be truly groundbreaking and will help you discover how to find the best program for your addiction problem. Now, here is Ross Rameen. Hi, welcome to the show. This is Ross Rameen. Thank you for joining us. We are coming to you from Los Angeles, California at the Rebos Treatment Center. Um, I'm very happy to uh, announce today that we have a wonderful guest. Her name is Erica Spiegelman. She's a chemical dependency counselor, a recovery coach. Um, She's an author. Um, She's written the book Rewired, uh, which you can get on Amazon and a lot of bookstores around. Erica, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ross. I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be on. I'm so excited. Oh, wonderful. Um, Erica also has her own radio show on Radio MD um, where she uh, talks about the facts of life and has a wonderful guest, so please check that out. Um, well, Erica, I, I read your book a while ago, and then I just was going back over it the last couple of days, and it still blows my mind of how common sense it is, how easy it is to follow. Um, how'd you come up with this book? How'd you, I mean, it's, thank you. You just, you just don't write a book. <laughs> how'd, yeah, how'd, yeah, how'd this no, come down? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it started with like, you know, my writing since I was 12 years old, I was, I was a literature major in college. I, I've always had like a, a passion for writing and reading and that kind of thing. So, I, you know, through the years, I think I'd always kind of written about healthy living and and just deeper thoughts and what what is the purpose of life, you know. And then and then um, as I got sober myself um, and changed my life, I and then became a counselor. I, I started to see like the different ways, the different recipes of how everybody has their own path to sobriety. And I felt like there was a lot of literature out there around twelve step programs. And I didn't feel like there was a lot of literature about the internal choices, the, the changing your identity, the changing your values, understanding how to live an authentic existence. Like, there wasn't that much around recovery um, and explaining these concepts. I mean, these concepts are explained in Buddhism and in, you know, different ways of healing. Um, it's, like you said, it's, they're not, you know, it's not... It's not something, you know, fresh and new to, to understand what honesty is all about. But in terms of recovery, it has to be, like, one of our core principles, you know. So I just decided to write a book discussing how we can begin to adopt new values, like a new value awesome. system. And it came from there, really. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. What if, what if somebody is, you know, they're in a 12-step program or a non-12-step program. I mean, any program. You know, they've tried – they've – decided to change their life, you know, mentally or physically or spiritually. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Can Is this a book that they can easily adopt, like, into their wherever program they're at? Whether if they, maybe they're in a facility, maybe they're not in a facility, and they, you know, for right. whatever reason. Can, is yeah. this easily adaptable to any other principle, or is it? Yeah. Can you explain that? Yeah. No, it is. I mean, that's that's the purpose of of why I wrote the book was it was specifically for people whether they've been through treatment, have not been through treatment, know not one word about recovery or sobriety, have no familiarity with the language. They could still get their life together and rewire their thoughts to create positive thoughts, just like anybody could. Most of the reviews lately on Amazon are even people that have had no um, experience with an addiction or a dependency, but yet have gone down kind of a darker path because they've been anxious. They came out of a horrible relationship. Um, their mother died. I mean, there's been a lot of, you know, a, a lot of, thank God, great 
great feedback from for me that this book has helped other people kind of make better choices for themselves. So this is about creating a new dialogue, making better choices, and that you can do whether you're in a 12-step program, if you're not, if you are more somebody that, you know, leans towards exercise or meditation, and really the book's for everybody because it's all about changing the way we choose our thoughts. You I know, think that's a, anybody. That's, a heck, that's a heck of a point. You know, there's so many people, and I know you see this in your practice, and I see this constantly every day, is there's there's a stigma about drug and alcohol treatment that mm-hmm. it's really like its own little kind of world. And it blows my mind that, I mean, and I don't know how you feel about this in your own mm-hmm. recovery, which I think I do just by what you just said, is mm-hmm. this isn't, I mean... Yes, we have drugs and alcohol that were like the 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 huge, huge, right? And I speak for myself when I say huge, red flag when it comes to it. But these books, such as your own, is so adaptable to so mm-hmm. many different circumstances. I mean, even as you just said to one, one of your uh, reviews you got on Amazon about this book, you know, somebody who's not even in the quote unquote, you know, program. Um, mm-hmm. Of you know Alcoholics Anonymous or non non AA um, program, um, it's so adaptable. I mean, it just seems like you switch around a couple of vocabulary words. But even if going right. through your book, though, it's I mean, all this stuff. It's you could never have a drink for twenty years. I mean, you or just not even you just weren't a drinker. You just never did drugs. You know, I mean, right. at all. But you're just at a dark spot, or you just feel. Maybe not even in a dark spot. Maybe it's just you're looking for something more. Like you just have like an internal right. like th- like voice. And I know you talk about the internal voice. Um, mm-hmm. but I think if I remind me, I think it was in chapter one, though. Um, you even put um, a little blurb about yourself. Um, mm-hmm. Internal voice. What it? What is the internal voice? And yeah, that's yeah. my first question. I got to follow up to that one. But what? Okay, good. What is that in- yeah. internal voice? Yeah, it's a great question, and and I mean, I think you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on on this too. But you know, the internal voice. I'll give an example for in my own life. I, I remember, like, an internal voice is the agreements you made sometimes with yourself when you're younger, or the the talk you have with yourself in your head, whether that be positive self talk or negative self talk. For example, like you know, when I was like six or seven years old, I remember in first grade, I, I was not good at math. And I remember a teacher telling me at five, like six years old, okay, let's just call it six, that she said to me, you know, you're much better with writing and history and you're creative, so stick to that and just don't bother with math because you're, you're not good at it, you know? And I remember, even at that age, just telling my mom, like, I'm not doing my math homework. I made an agreement with myself that I couldn't learn math, that I wasn't good at math, and that was an agreement that I made even through my, I remember my SATs in, in high school, I just, like, kind of skipped over in the math section. I never even put any effort in. I never tried because that internal voice, that internal dialogue, that agreement I made with myself, this is just one silly example, but but it's a powerful one because it really It's shows. a great example. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it, it really... Yeah, I mean, it shows that, like, wow, that took me all the way through my whole life. And now I'm like, you know, someone's teaching me, uh, and now I have my own business, and I'm learning about, I have to learn about numbers and, and, and certain things to run a business. And I'm like, okay, can you teach me this now? I'm like, I can't believe I never even, you know, was open enough to even learn this stuff. And I can do it. It's not that I can't. I can. I have proven to myself that I, I am fine with numbers. But can you imagine that all these years I just totally you know, gave up on that. And so that internal voice is something like, it could be something like that, or it could be something like, you know, let's say, you know, you had a parent that was never home, never around, and, and you just interpreted that as, you know, I'm not good enough, I'm not a priority, I'm, a, I'm, I'm always abandoned. And then that can carry with you through adult relationships. You, you could keep searching for people that actually wind up abandoning you so that you're confirmed in that belief. Um, so all these, all these little, you usually these things come from some early childhood experiences. And I don't you know, know if you have any, love to hear if you have an example of that, but, but I'm sure if you thought about it or if anyone that's listening to this thinks about some of these even small little agreements or even this internal voice of I'm not good enough, somehow, you know, a little boy made fun of me once about my legs because I played soccer and he was like, your legs are muscular or something. Or he called me, he called me some name. And I remember 
like wanting to hide my legs the rest of, you know, for years to come. Just all these little experiences we have that really stick with us and create an internal dialogue. It, it's that internal dialogue, you know, for me was, and still is, it's so, my hardest thing is, I remember when I when I was when I decided to really 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 just change my life. Like I was in it, no matter what happened, I was in it. And yeah. I remember, I I couldn't hear. I had a lot of inner inner voices. Um, I created yeah. so many inner voices myself, and also what you know what I had picked up from childhood. I mean, you give that mm-hmm. example of that boy making fun of your legs. I mean, I I had those you know, just those seeds, I don't know what mm. adjective to use for that, but almost like seeds that were like, see, like voice seeds in a sense mm-hmm. that grow yeah. and they grow into something. And it's, it's crazy. They just stick to your, 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 your inner thoughts like Velcro right. and they sit there almost dormant and then they come up at the weirdest times. They sprout at the mm-hmm. craziest times. And I remember just to understand what voice was, I, I always go back to like the devil and the angel on your shoulder. It's just two two voices just kind of squawking in your ear all the time. Mm-hmm. And my voices, my inner voice um, says, my voices, it sounds like I'm losing my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no, but it's the inner voice in my head. It sounded just like me. So no matter if it was a good voice or a bad voice, like the devil and the angel on your shoulder, it sounded so like me. Um, and right. I remember saying to people, I was like, I can't tell what's real or what's not real. And and that's when I basically, I stopped talking for like three weeks. And mm-hmm. I, I only talked, I mean, I would have a little conversation, but I wasn't seeking conversation. And yeah. I remember I just really wanted to get to know these this voice in my head because there was something telling me to do something and it would be okay, but it would always turn out terribly wrong. Like, you know, during a relapse, you know, it's like, yeah, go get a bag of cocaine. Go, let's go get a six pack of beer. And that voice sounded like me and it sounded like it was a good idea and it sounded like it would be something different. Mm-hmm. And... I remember really having to navigate it and the way that I did it, I mean, this is for myself and hopefully this helps somebody out there is there, it did sound like me, but that voice was so rational and so smooth. I mean, it was almost like I always kid about it. It sounded like the guy from fantasy Island. It was just, it sounded just so smooth and so like, like it just sounded too good. Um, mm-hmm. even though the voice was my voice and then the other voice was very fast talking, very, um, kind of just like having a good time, just talking a lot faster. He wasn't as smooth. So I realized that the voice, the good voice in my head was the unsmooth voice. Um, so mm-hmm. to say, um, it wasn't as charismatic. Um, it wasn't as romantic. Um, so I thought that was thought that was kind of a big deal in your book, how you talked about that inner voice. Because um, I think that's what everybody struggles with, even if they're opening up their own business. I mean, the, talking about inner voice, if you're trying to lose 20 pounds and you got to go to the gym, I mean, right. that inner voice is huge. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's everywhere. I mean, it's I, I, that's why I always don't like it when people are talking about sobriety. And you and I have had a lot of talks about this. It's Sobriety is just so much more than just not physically having those drugs, the alcohol. Right. Of course. Uh, yeah. No. I mean, that's the biggest part of it is changing, you know, changing that dialogue and changing, you know, all these kind of fearful, you know, I mean, it's great. I love that you share that you practice like not talking for three weeks. I mean, it's just like, these are like little things where, I mean, you came up with that. And, and there's also things that, you know, people could do even today of really like, you know, journaling or writing down when they, you know, they, they say, like, you know, it's just good to be aware. The awareness, I think, is the first step. So, like, if you call yourself, like, an idiot or you call yourself, like, sad or you call yourself, you know, no neg- no more negative self-talk. And if you do, you know, you can kind of write it down or you could be more aware of it. Um, there's just a lot of tools. And as you know, I mean, working with so many counselors, everyone has a different approach to that. But I really feel like it's, it's important to kind of go back and, and kind of look at, like, where did my take a dip you know maybe it did take a dip when you were like you you know using and you were in shame and you were like how how can I do this again but once you kind of put the drugs down and and like you said put the drink aside and and stop 
stop engaging in, in using, then you have to really start to choose like positive thoughts, choose positive um, acts of self-care, choose positive ways of living, like being honest, like having good time management, like living authentically, like all the chapters in my book. And why I like mention all these chapters is because I think a lot of people overlook the importance of like stopping procrastination or getting good time management skills or having healthy relationships and learning how to create boundaries. And like, you know, these are all the things that I feel are like the most important. You know, the minute the drug and the drink are like gone, that's what we have to dive into. Yeah, definitely. Um, we're talking to Erica Spiegelman. Uh, her book is called Rewired. Um, you can find it on Amazon and a variety of different places. Uh, her website, correct me if I'm wrong, it's ericaspiegelman.com, correct? Yes, yeah. Awesome, totally. awesome. We're going to go to a quick break, Erica. We're going to come right back. We're going to talk some okay. more. I've got a couple other topics I want to run by you, and uh, we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is Ross Ramin, and this is The Power to Create Yourself. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Getting sober isn't just about not drinking and not doing drugs. It's a way of life. At Rebos, we have a team of talented professionals, each with their own clear and distinct message to walk clients from the darkest point in their lives out into the light. Rebos offers a carefully curated selection of groups and workshops in addition to a minimum of six individual sessions per week. At Rebos, we believe there are no cookie-cutter clients, and we meet every individual where they are at today. It's not a Rebos program. It's your program. Our team wants to help as many people as possible become who they want to be. And if you don't know who you want to be, we'll help you. Visit Rebostreatment.com to learn more about the Rebos Treatment Center. That's R-E-B-O-S Treatment.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Ramin. To find out more about Ross and the program, visit the Rebos Treatment Center website at Rebostreatment.com. Now, back to The Power to Create Yourself. Hi, welcome back. This is Ross Ramin. Thanks for joining us today. Um, we have Erica Spiegelman um, on the phone with us today, um, and she is uh, the author of the book Rewired, which you can find on Amazon. You can also go to her website, ericaspiegelman.com. Uh, she is an expert at chemical dependency um, and uh, life building uh, on any dimension, wouldn't you say, Erica? Um, I would like to say that I, I, yes, I do like to help people build, rebuild, and build their lives, uh, creating purposeful lives, meaningful lives, fulfilling lives. Yeah, I, I, that's my passion, and 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 it's something that I do enough. I think research and work and workshops, um, you know, in my own personal life, so that I can actually help the clients I work with. Yeah, I, I think it starts with us, actually. Yeah. Hundred percent. I got a question for you, and I know you deal with this a lot. And I know there's people that are listening right now that are, you know, they either have a loved one or it's themselves. Um, how? What is your advice that if you, if there's somebody that either comes to you or you know, so they come to your office or you know, so one of the listeners now, if somebody is hit bottom. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if they've hit bottom and they have acknowledged that this is this is bottom, you know, and mm-hmm. they just they're like, I'm as far as down as I want to go. I mean, I believe bottom is death. Um, I believe you can keep digging as far as you want to go. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, we always get those people. They're like, I'm done. And they acknowledge that they're done. Um, how do you how do you basically get them to kind of stand up and start climbing up that ladder, you know, out of that mm-hmm. hole? And, and also, you know, just because somebody says they're done, you know, sometimes that always doesn't mean that they're done. They mm-hmm. don't realize just how tall that ladder is. It's totally mm-hmm. climbable, but it's, it's pretty steep because uh, it could yep. be a 20 or 30 year long mm-hmm. hole that they have dug. Mm-hmm. Um, right. 
what's what's your advice for people when that goes when that goes on? How, how do they get out of that hole? How do they how do they start climbing and then keep the momentum? Yeah. Well, first of all, it's a great question. And first of all, I I and I've taken through uh, some clients recently through this process, and one just actually repeated it back to me the other day, saying that he's done this, which I was very proud to hear. But but number one, first first thing I tell people. If they say they're done, fine. Let them say they're done. But but beyond that, what I really want to express to them is that it has to be dead, buried, like gone. There is no window open. There is no crack door. There is none of that because nobody can really give themselves a fair shot at this unless they bury their drug, bury the alcohol, bury the relationship. It has to be dead, gone. There is no option for it. It does not exist anymore. That's what I did. That's what I think is the most helpful thing. For me, I visualized it in in a ground. I visualized my relationship with alcohol buried um, with the tombstone even. I, 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 I put dirt on top of it. I mean, I literally buried it. I grieved it. I, I went through those stages and, and, and said, it doesn't exist. It is not an option. It does not matter. It's not around. You know, and so for me, I, I do share that with my clients because I really feel like that's a powerful way to visualize the relationship ending. Because sometimes people say, I'm done, but in the back of their mind, and they're usually honest with me, they'll say, oh, but, but you know, maybe a year from now, or maybe when I'm older, or maybe, you know, no. That has to go out the door. That cannot exist anymore. So I work with them as much as I can, as, as open as they can be, as honest as they can be, and it's up to them to be honest, around how, where they're at with that kind of thought process. And some of them will say, I really buried it. And, and to me, I feel like that's a great sign. So so that's where I would start with people is, is you know, really to, to kind of adhere to that thought process. Um, and then from there, if that happens, you know, and they're, they're ready to kind of surrender in that way and bury it, we, we start, you know, new. We start fresh. We start with, with you know, kind of rebuilding their lives. It's, it's, I, I think it's a rebirth. So, really, I take them what, through the steps, you know, from self-care, mind, body, and spirit. What do you, going back to what you first said, you know, when they're done, what do you find are the biggest culprits that really hold mm-hmm that really hold them back, you know, cause they can say they're done with the, uh, with the physical pain of either, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, you know, the mental pain that they get from their life. So let's say there's no drugs or alcohol, but there's just like a mental like cloud, right. you know, and, but then there's the physical part of you know, drugs or alcohol that just beat, you know, beat you, uh, the, you know, what's out of you. <laughs> um, right. and so you physically can't take it, but even with all that physical, emotional pain, what are you finding is the biggest culprits that keep people, um, well, not keep people, but really, what are the culprits okay. that have their claws in them yeah. to keep them, like, to keep Stop. them in the, well, maybe I'll go back in a year, or maybe we'll just see how this is, or maybe I'll just have a little time out. You know, what, right, what, right. what, what are the biggest culprits are you finding? Because yeah, people, well, that, I, that's the one thing that I always say to people, and they're like, well, I don't know, I just drink too much. You know, and it's no, like, eh, I, yeah. yeah, I get no. that, but but what else? Yeah, no, it's it, people that don't get it really don't get it is is that they they're not willing to take action and do the work to really change their routine in life. Like I, I truly believe if I could be in someone's pocket, which I can't, you know, but if I could be in my client's pocket and stay with them for a full year and and put them on this routine that I mean that that I think would be helpful and, and that I actually did to, to help me get sober, I, I think they would be actually okay and have enough time to change the pathways in their brain. I feel like the people that don't get it are the people that don't take the time to care about themselves, to, to establish an exercise routine every day, to establish healthy eating skill, like, well, you know, I guess nutritional eating, yep. I mean, at least understanding, like, how food actually affects their bodies, how sleep, you know, sticking to, like, a good sleep routine, having healthy people around them, having community, having only healthy relationships in their lives. I mean, there's there's a formula to, to which I think I could help, you know, if people are willing to do it, if they do it, I think they're going to have a really good chance at creating a new identity. They have to see themselves and be proud of themselves in a different way. So if somebody doesn't change those things and they just go to meetings and they just sit around and they don't exercise, they don't give a shit, excuse me, they don't care about their sleeping patterns, they don't care about what they put in their bodies, that's still saying to themselves, to their subconscious, 
I don't really care about myself. I don't, I don't really deserve to have health. I don't really deserve sobriety. So I think everyone that is trying to get sober, that's listening, needs to love themselves enough to establish a healthy routine. And that means taking care of your mind, your body, your spirit, every day, non-negotiable. And for the people that don't want to do that, then, then that's, that's where the negative self-talk creeps in. That's where the feeling of worthlessness and laziness and you're not changing and everything is going to be boring and everything is going to be the same. Well, it's the same because you're not taking action and you're not changing it. But if you change it, I guarantee your subconscious will become your conscious thought and you will be proud of yourself. You'll take the next best action for yourself. You know, it's, it's that momentum. Yeah. No, I, your passion obviously is, you know it. You get it. You see it. You live it for yourself. You're not um, just preaching. You're you actually practice what you preach. Um, yeah, that's everything. Oh, that's everything. Well, I know what it goes works. Up. You know, yeah. You know it works. It's just how it goes. You know, I always look at people when they when they're getting sober. You know, when I used to work uh, more in my private practice, and I talked yeah. to a lot of businessmen, uh, business women, uh, just you know, people in business. Um, I would always. I'd always bring up to him, I go, this is just like how you run your company. It's, mm-hmm. it's a, it's, it's, your company is spiritually bankrupt and you're trying to become spiritually profitable. Um, right. And you have to, you have to figure out how to make your company profitable on a day to day basis and how you break it down is is how you break down your personal life is the same way that you break down your business life and mm-hmm. so the biggest the biggest the biggest goals that I have for people is first and foremost you probably already know at a minimum of 80% of your solution already and I love the look that everybody gives me they're like huh and I'm like you already know what doesn't work you already know your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, or your goldfish, or wh- whatever it has to be, is not mm-hmm. right. You know, you've been with them for, for years, for decades, for months, whatever it is. Right. You know, it's not correct, but yet you keep going back. So what, how do you, you know, and it's, and I always break it out, it's like every single day is, is a new day, as long as, you know, I, I run a company, and I have a radio show, and I have... I'm married and so on and so forth. I go through uh, every new day when I wake up. I honestly look at my life from yesterday and the days before. It's like, what do I know that did not work? And it it comes to be so true when mm-hmm. it when I work on my own sobriety when I work with clients. How do you how do you do that mirror? You know, show that reflection that you know that image of people. It's like. Because this isn't an on-off switch. I mean, as, as we just said, I mean, people can say they want to be straight and they, they can say that they want to be sober and they want to change their life and they want to lose 20 pounds, so on mm-hmm. and so forth. How does that motivation keep keep going? I mean, that's, I mean, the motivation on a daily basis, how do they not forget their goal? How did they do that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the same for you and the same for me. I mean, how do how do we not forget our our goal? I mean, I think I think every day, like you said, I, I start with gratitude. Like I really do. I think uh, I think it sounds very simple, and it sounds almost even like too simple. But 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 it's not because people forget. You know, I, I really do. I I look. I get up. I look around. <laughs> I I literally not not only listen. Yeah, what did I, what did I not, you know, what did I do maybe that, that wasn't so effective yesterday? What can I learn? But, but, but first I start with like the gratitude of the fact that I have a clear mind, the fact that I woke up sober, the fact that my body's working, the fact that I have a roof over my head, I have love in my life, like whatever it is. I really have started all these nine years every day with gratitude, you know? And not, not perfect. Some days I forget, of course, but at some point in my life during that day, like I, I, I stop and I'm like, why am I doing what I'm doing, you know? And I think everybody out there that, like you said, what is it that keeps them going? I think they have to find something meaningful in their lives, even if it's, yes, you're someone's husband, or yes, you're a counselor, or yeah, you're writing a book, or you have a radio show, or you're just a mom, or you're just, that's purpose. And that's, you know, I think to reflect on that with gratitude is really helpful. And I don't know, I I think personally to be grateful for my sobriety that I'm not where I used be is something which is in a, that in itself for me it, nothing seems like a big deal anymore I mean that to me still is the biggest prize I've ever received in my life so 
Wow. No, that's, I can relate to that. That's, you know, if you don't know what to do at the bare minimum, just go, I don't want to be a mess anymore. (laughs) Keep it, keep it it simple. Um, Exactly. Very simple. You have a chapter in your book about compassion. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to know, can you go into more in depth on what, where were you going with that whole idea of compassion? Because I think it's, that's one thing I never got. You know, when I went through treatment, I never had that on myself. I never had compassion for myself. I was always looking for compassion from other people. Can you go into depth of what that is? I don't want to give too much of a way of what your book is and isn't because I want yeah. people to pick it up. But uh, compassion is such a it's such a human thing that we just it's frankly it's not around a lot. Um, and you see the compassion going on and the you know the lack of compassion going on in the news um, mm-hmm. lately with all these events going on. What, uh, talk to me about compassion. What, what, where you were going with it. Yeah, well, I mean, when I wrote the, the chapter on compassion, it was really about, started for me, I mean, the, the, the reason was because I really felt there was a lack of self-compassion for mm-hmm. most people have for themselves. I mean, you could be completely in love with your dog and treat your dog like it's like, you know, your dog, cook meals for your dog, take your dog out for a walk, but yet you neglect yourself in so many ways. And I, I see that. And I was seeing that a lot with the clients. So I was like, ah, how come people just can't seem to, to be compassionate towards themselves? And uh, there was a, uh, a, f- a friend of mine, <laughs> and uh, she told me this story. She was on the phone with her grandmother, and her grandmother put her on speakerphone, and she was getting a, an address for her. And she heard her grandmother shuffling in the background, and, you know, and she, she heard her grandmother, like, saying, Okay, sweetheart, take your time, take your time, you know, don't worry, everything will be fine. And, and then the grandmother came back to the phone, and my friend was telling me this, and she said to her grandmother, like, Grandma, who are you talking to? You know, I, I didn't know you were with somebody. I, you could call me back. And she goes, oh, I was, I was talking to myself. My leg's been hurting, and I was telling my leg, like, it's okay, sweetheart, you can take your time. And so this woman that was talking to herself in such a compassionate way, it it warmed my heart. It, it it made me like so emotional to hear that this older lady has probably had such a fulfilling life because she loves herself. She talks to herself kindly. She's telling her she's calling herself sweetheart. You know, I mean that that for me that story just like it just it created this warmth in my heart. And I was like, that's the way I want to start talking to myself, which I did. I started saying, like every time I took a run, I would say. Erica, I'm so proud of you, or you've got this, or you're strong, or you can do this. And I started changing that dialogue because I never spoke to myself like that when I was in my addiction. So changing you got, that my, oh, huh? Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, no, you've got to be changing, able to, yeah. you got to pat yourself on the back. I mean, we're, right. we're in this world by ourselves. I mean, granted, we're lucky enough to have people to walk with us, but right. you've got to be able to pat yourself on the back and not rely on somebody else to do that. And, exactly. you know, talking to yourself, my wife hears me talking to myself every day, just, you know, <laughs> going through it. I mean, it's, it is what it is. We have to be able to, you know, give ourselves. So you, you relate know, the path. to that. The what? You relate to that, to talking, you know, to talking kindly to yourself and 100%. having compassion for yourself. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with giving yourself a little pep talk. There's nothing wrong with telling yourself, you know, no, or say, right. yes, great job. Go get them. Work harder. Uh, we should right. be, we are our strongest critics um, and we should be our well, strongest um, critics both and positively as well. I, well, we know, need to just, be our own champions, you know, our own cheerleaders and and so, I mean, I, I think that that's, like, number one in, in changing your life. When you're changing your life from being, you know, in a shameful state of being and, and you know, kind of betraying yourself to then all of a sudden you're taking care of yourself, you have to start changing that, that, mm-hmm. that relationship with compassion. We're going to take another break, Erica. Uh, we're talking to Erica Spiegelman. Her book is Rewired. You can get it on Amazon um, or through her website, ericaspiegelman.com. Erica, we'll be right back, and uh, thanks for okay. listening. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Getting sober isn't just about not drinking and not doing drugs. It's a way of life. At Rebos, we have a team of talented professionals, each with their own clear and distinct message to walk clients from the darkest point in their lives 
without Hand of the Light. Rebos offers a carefully curated selection of groups and workshops in addition to a minimum of six individual sessions per week. At Rebos, we believe there are no cookie-cutter clients, and we meet every individual where they are at today. It's not a Rebos program. It's your program. Our team wants to help as many people as possible become who they want to be. And if you don't know who you want to be, we'll help you. Visit RebosTreatment.com to learn more about the Rebos Treatment Center. That's R-E-B-O-S Treatment.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. listening to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Ramin. To find out more about Ross and the program, visit the Rebos Treatment Center website at rebostreatment.com. Now, back to The Power to Create Yourself. Hi, welcome back. This is Ross Ramin. Thanks for joining us. We're coming to you today from the Rebos Treatment Center in Los Angeles, California. Uh, we are lucky enough to have Erica Spiegelman uh, joining us today. She's the author of the book, Rewired. Uh, she has been a chemical dependency counselor and a recovery coach uh, for quite some time now, and uh, she is a know-it-all of everything. Uh, she is very smart, and I've watched her literally change people's lives uh, for the better. I know people that literally come um, and ask for her specifically um, just through just through the word of mouth. Um, you have quite a following, Erica, that is for sure. Um, Thank you. Erica, we came up with a, I had a couple weeks ago, I had Betsy Spear on, who's a licensed psychologist here in in Los Mm -hmm. Angeles, and I know you're familiar with her. We were talking about um, the death rates of drugs Mm -hmm. and alcohol. And I, you know, as I go online to look up, you know, know, how many people die from drug-related, you know, Drug-related deaths, alcohol-related deaths, there's opiates, there's benzos, there's the whole gamut. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to find, like, a real stat because it kind of depends on who's paying for it, really. Um, not yeah. to sound so cold, but it really is. But I found one stat that it was so staggering to me that I literally had um, I had somebody else come in the room to just do the basic math with me because I was like, that's – I mean, that is huge. We came up with 206 people per day, and I believe that is um, very um, conservative. Um, the number was huge, but I was like, it's got to be more than that, and it very well could be. Um, 206 people die per day in this country from drug or alcohol-related deaths, um, and the majority of them that we're finding out now is from this pill epidemic that we're going through. Um, it's just mind-blowing the amount of clients that we get that I have gotten and that I'm sure you get, and you can speak to it yourself, that are from opiates, the oxycotton, the oxycodones, the fentanyls, um, yeah. it's just through the roof right now. I mean, you rarely see yeah. a good old fashioned, you know, drug addict of, you know, weed or cocaine. It's these pills. They are everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What are you seeing in your own private practice with this? Yeah, I mean, I I echo the same thing. I I see I see this opiate and benzo, uh, you know, addiction being kind of the culprit and starting the younger generation these days. Um, most the gateway these, drugs now, aren't they? It, yeah, I mean, it's 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 very accessible. That's the problem. You know, a lot of a lot of kids actually start getting them or or try them for the first time through their parents. Uh, medicine cabinets or their friend's parents or their friend's older brother got in a, you know, broke his leg or, you know, they're just, they're, and, and, and also I think for children, like, before they start to chip away at their integrity, before they, you know, the first time they try something, somehow, I mean, clients have told me that it, it sounded okay that they're taking, it's a prescription pill, it, it, it was given by a doctor, you know, um, or, you know, even, even as scary as this sounds, I have had, you know, a couple clients recently tell me that they were prescribed, you know, um, opiates because they had, one kid had his wisdom teeth out, one kid got, you know, in a snowboarding accident. And I mean, these kids started, you know, taking these pills given by doctors at 14, at 13, at 15. And, you know, as you know, they're so highly physically addictive that there, you know, there, there, there's little, little chance for them not to get addicted. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, 
I mean, they're the doctors, almost painted into a corner so many, with it. And, yeah. Yeah, and the doctors are just, it's mind-blowing to me. We had uh, we had a doctor here on the other day talking about it, and it's just so prevalent of what, I mean, it's just they hand them out like Tic Tacs. Uh, mm-hmm. This is the, what we deal with on a daily basis. And, you know, I, I talk to so many parents, so many loves, loved ones, husband, wives, brothers, and sisters, and they're like, can't they just stop doing this stuff? You know, why? Mm-hmm. My kid was never a drug addict. My wife was never a drug addict, and now she's a drug addict. And right. the doctor stopped giving her, um, you know, her Oxycontin, and now she's scoring heroin in a neighborhood that nobody mm-hmm. in their right mind would be going to. Um, and she's showing up. I mean, it's this epidemic. I mean, this right, is but a- you know what's, what's scary about that is, is like you just said, telling me that story. I've heard that story, I don't know, hundreds of times in the last couple of years. No, serious. Like that, that many times. Of, of like, it doesn't end. It's that this is a reality now. I mean, we're having people are getting addicted to drugs now, not like the old fashioned way where they start off in high school and they're, you know, smoking a little weed, they have a couple beers, and they kind of graduate and they kind of go up. I mean, people are becoming drug addicts because their trusted family doctor or an emergency room doctor. You know, they have like a legitimate, you know, they've blown out their knee. They were skiing. They blew out their knee and they have a couple pins in it. And which, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you know, it's probably valid that you have a little, you know, you have some pain relief from, you know, I'm not saying get rid of all, you know, opiates and all that. I mean, some of these, some right. of the pain that people go through, but it's got to be controlled. I mean, they're sending people home with like a whole bottle of this stuff and they're like, giddy up here you go have all you want yep. you know it's and they're literally creating um a drug addict and the person yeah. doesn't even know that they're, they're not trying to become a drug addict you know they're not trying to you know back when i was you know going out it's like you know you would get a you get an eight ball of cocaine you'd have a good time you go out to the club you're having a great time da, 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 da. it's kind of like the risk you took you know it's like yeah i heard right. people get this but people are they're not they're not even aware that they're becoming addicted to it Mhm, mhm. I know it's a very insidious, like very. It's, it's a sneaky, it's a sneaky kind of back way to to become addicted. And I and I think that for whatever reason, doctors aren't explaining the physical piece of it, which is you know it attaches to your tissues very fast. So it's like you have to treat a drug addict. You have to treat a quote unquote drug addict as. You know, like, you know, you get a typical person in here when they're just like literally shooting up heroin with an IV, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and they've been burned out and they're like, you know, they, I'm a drug addict. You know, I've had 20 years of this stuff and I mean, we're forced to treat, you know, these people that they don't even know that they're addicted to it. I mean, it's almost even more dangerous in a sense because it's like you're, they're like, I've been fine my whole life in the last two years. I've just, something's going on and they're 40 something years old. They're like, why is this happening now? I've not, I was, I was straight during high school and college. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's, it's creating a whole nother animal. Yeah. It's changing the landscape of addiction completely. Like it's, 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 you know, like you said, the old, the old story has changed. This is like a new story, a new kind of addict, a new, it's just a new way of, of, becoming dependent on something you know i mean there's it's not to say that there's you know there's still plenty of addicts out there that have had a lot of trauma or have had you know reasons to kind of numb out or distract themselves but then there's also people that you know don't didn't really have much much else going on until they became physically addicted like you said so it is it's changing the landscape and and the and the worst part is is that for those people that really became physically addicted the shame the secrecy and all the trauma that comes while they're in their addiction and they're, you know, is, is also what creates enough problems that they have to work through that, you know? You're not treating underlying issues that happened decades ago. You're treating underlying right. issues that have basically exactly. reared their, you know, their ugly head during the last course of the few months, few years since they were, you know, put on these pills. Exactly. Um, yeah. And you talking about, you know, as we were talking about in the last segment, compassion, you literally have to look at people and be like, listen, this you know, you're not your typical drug addict. You didn't mean for this to do this. This isn't, wasn't because of your, you know, uh, your, right. you know, your bad choices. You were right. just following doctor's orders. You didn't know any better. What, what are you going to do? Right. Um, right. But then, but then also, but, but then they do become ashamed and they become, they, they hide it from their family. They hide it from their, their, their spouses. And then, and then that, that same shame that, you know, some kids, that people that have been doing, you know, drugs for years, it's, it, it's what I'm saying is it's, it's 
everyone can relate. You know, once you enter that addictive state, that same shame still comes up, the secrecy still comes up, the unauthentic living comes up, you know. So it doesn't matter how we get to where we, you know, it's not how we get to our addiction. It's, it's, I think we all kind of experience those same negative uh, qualities that come with addiction, no matter how it happens. Absolutely. I know you're working with a new uh, company now um, that is yeah. trying to help with these pills. Can you tell can yeah. you, uh, tell us about it? Yeah, so I'm, I'm working with a company called Safer Lock, and I'm, a, I'm their spokesperson and, and helping them develop um, more of a voice out there. It, they are um, a, a bottle locking system for a prescription pill bottle. So there's a cap. So Safer Lock, if you order a Safer Lock, it'll come with a cap that has a four-digit code, and you just attach that cap to your pill bottle. Like a combination lock? It's a combination lock, yes, correct. Okay. So, so you can lock, so anybody that has, let's say, you know, let's say there, there's plenty of people out there that take meds for medicinal purposes. Um, if you don't want your kids getting it or your kids' friends coming over, even if it's not your own kids, I mean, this is what's happening. The drug, the drug dealers are, the, you know, these people that have the pills at their homes and not even knowing that the kids are the ones taking them. So, you know, it's really good to prevent um, any kind of, you know, any kind of uh, addictive behaviors from forming. Um, it's it's simple. It's easy. You lock it up. You put it away. You don't have to worry about it. It's unbelievable. Folks, I cannot express to you how important that a product like this actually is. The amount of people that I see come into Rebos that when we do an opening assessment on them, you know, when did you start doing drugs, drinking drugs? What was your first drug? You know, what are you now? What, what is your drug of choice now? And what, what did you start with? The amount of people that come in here that their first drug that they've been doing is Xanax, um, you know, a variety of different benzos, um, right. a variety of different opiates. Uh, I think it is so critical that the listeners know that, your kids are not st- are not robbing your liquor cabinets as much anymore. They're robbing no. your medicine cabinet. They're exactly. literally robbing robbing your medicine cabinet. They're taking. I know kids that are coming. You know, their first drug is Robitussin. They're taking yeah. like five capfuls of Robitussin. In their, a whole bottle. Their, a whole <laughs> like bottle. I when I was sixteen. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's like you're out, like these kids are on the moon. They don't yeah. even. It's it's a whole nother these gateway drugs, you know, we got to look out for all this stuff and it's, I'm not trying to scare people, but I kind of am. It's right. These drugs are just mind blowing. Kids are getting Adderall at high school. Mm-hmm. They're not, they're either prescribed by doctors and then on the weekends they're crushing the Adderall pills, the Ritalin pills, and they're snorting them. Um, right. And they're it, giving them to friends, you know, and that's the problem. Yeah. They're selling them as friends. You know, yeah. Susie Q driving around her cute little BMW or whatever she's got. She's got, you know, her bottle of, you know, Adderall, and she's selling it to her friends during finals. Right. Um, and these friends, they're just trying to help them focus and do whatever. And basically, she's selling synthetic uh, synthetic uh, cocaine. And speed, it's, yeah, exactly. It's, un- exactly. it's unbelievable. Um, yeah. So, this- so that's why, but that's why there's like, you know, thank God there's products like this that, that are out there and it's just like, why not? You know, like take, take, even if you're in denial and think, oh my, never my kid, believe me, it may be not your kid, but maybe yes, your kid and maybe your kid's best friend or your kid's older brother or maybe someone that comes to work at your house. You know, um, there's just, there's just so many different ways in which people could, you know, get to your meds and why not have a lock on it? Like just, why not just use that as a preventative tool? It's, I mean, you should almost take just as much care over your, you know, your fine jewelry as you would these pills. I mean, it's just exactly parents and loved ones, husbands and wives, they just don't, it's so inconceivable that, that these pills are just no running this rampant. It, it's everywhere. Yeah. It's just mind blowing. I mean, honest to God, that is, you know, 206 people died, you know, according to one, one website that I went on. Mm-hmm. And die a day. I hear about three to four phone calls a week of people that have died, and I'd say eight times out of ten, it's it's from a pill overdose. They didn't mean to die. You know, mm-hmm. they take an upper, and they're they're so juiced up, and then they take a downer, and their heart just can't handle it, and they just they kind of fall asleep, and they just don't wake up. Uh, right. It's it's all these accidental deaths. I, I I'm wondering. 
you know, some people are obviously they're trying to kill themselves with, you know, these drugs. But I bet the majority of this 206 people per day is 100 percent accidental. Like they just they didn't mean to, you know, it was right. just it, they didn't mean to. And I think the best way to be able to stop that is either, you know, the safer lock, these caps with the combos you're talking about, putting yep. those on it. Then also asking, getting smart before you get these pills from your family doctors and being really like, hey, doc, do I really need all of these pills right now? Or why don't we try mm-hmm. a couple, see how I'm doing, and maybe it will start weaning me off. Be smart mm-hmm. about it. Um, this it's, is, it's also people glorifying. You know, I've heard I've heard a lot of health, I hate, I hate to stereotype, but I've heard, you know, I have a, a client, and she's like, you know, a mom, a stay-at-home mom, or she has a group of friends, and she heard a friend of her saying how amazing Adderall made her friend feel. You know, she could do everything, and then a Xanax helped her relax at the end of the day, and you know, people glorify it. And, and like you said, ask the doctor. Don't listen to your friends. Don't listen to people that are already in their addiction. Don't, you know, like, don't just take someone's pills and someone gives you something. You know, do the research. Get educated. You know, ask your doctor, like you said. It's just really important. Absolutely. Erica, I really appreciate you coming on today. It means the world to uh, me. Uh, oh, we've been talking to er- Erica Spiegelman. She has a new book called Rewired. She's also coming out with a coloring book. We got we got a couple seconds left, Erica. What you got a coloring book coming out? Yeah, it's an it's an adult coloring book. It's it's gonna it's called Rewired. Um, also, mm-hmm. and it's just gonna be amazing. It, every every image is gorgeous. Elephants, just beautiful images to color. And on the opposite page, it's about an emotion. So each 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 image represents an emotion. You know, all the emotions. So we're gonna have everything from gratitude to anger to happiness to compassion to all all these things. So it'll be a beautiful book. There's a little caption so you can learn about each emotion and really sit and and, and ha- set some intentions like your coloring so it'll be fun amazing amazing well her book's called rewired you can get it on amazon her name is erica spiegelman and you can get her at ericaspiegelman.com erica it's been such a pleasure thank Thank you you so much for joining us today thank you for having me you got it have a great day this is ross for me and the power to create yourself we are coming to you from los angeles california at the rebos treatment center you can find out more information about our treatment center at rebos r-e-b-o-s treatment Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us this week on The Power to Create Yourself. We hope to have you tune in again next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, for another edition with Ross Ramin on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have an enlightening week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.